Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome to Permission to Think. I'm Edward Rustrian, and I'm glad you're joining me today. To all my beautiful people who have tuned into Permission to Think, I want to say thank you. I hope I add a value to your life, and may the words shared on this platform encourage you to think and draw closer to our Heavenly Father. Thank you for making our time together so special. I would love to hear from you and what God is doing in your life. If you would like to learn more about this podcast and all our upcoming events, please visit my website, www.erustrian.com, where you will find blogs for each weekly podcast, latest updates, and resources to help you in your journey of life, faith, and family. And today, I'm excited to announce that my latest book is now available on Amazon for pre-order. Don't forget to get your copy today. And now, let's give ourselves permission to think. Our topic for today is Steadfast Courage, Part 2. As I was putting this lesson together, I came across one of my favorite books by A.W. Tozer, The Knowledge of the Holy. And in the book, he writes, What comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. Let us start with our question. What comes into your mind when you think about God? Take a moment to really, really ponder that question. What comes into your mind when you think about God? And to be quite honest, I struggle with this question and I don't know how to answer it. It's one of those questions that lingers in my mind. It's a question that deep in my heart I would never be able to answer because I know for a fact that whatever idea or image I can make of God in my mind is idolatrous and infinitely erroneous. God is not like anything I can ever imagine. That is, he is not exactly like anything or anybody. The closest I can ever get to think or imagine about God is by meticulously studying the scriptures and the life of Christ, his attributes, his character, and his nature. It's difficult to think correctly of God without reducing him to manageable terms, to make him a God I can control and serve my personal will. This is the true state of mankind. We don't want a God we can't control. We don't want to bend our will. We just want his hand. This week in the Christian calendar, we honor and remember Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate what Jesus did and the price he paid for us. My desire for today is to zoom in on the dreadful event in the Garden of Gethsemane. I believe deep in my heart that this was the defining moment for Jesus. And as I gave him much thought, I chose to write this simple paragraph to capture that particular moment. I hope it speaks to you. 
There is a quiet, gentle breeze rustling the leaves that have fallen from trees that today know they are in the presence of their endowed creator. All creation awaits in reverence and silence, witnessing its king, the all-omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent morning star, broken, postured in humility, praying to the Father if it is his will to take this cup away from him. Yet, Christ holds steadfastly, completely surrender to the Father's will. Lurking in the shadows is the falling star who traded his life for darkness, relegated to linger and witness to capture a glimpse of the one he desired to overthrow. Heaven came to earth, bound to set free, wounded to heal, crucified to forgive, buried to resurrect, and longing to take the redeemed home. Courage was found in the Garden of Gethsemane, where obedience was the virtue by which the Son of God, Jesus, redeemed not just humanity, but the man from the old garden, who by his disobedience brought sin and death. Hope and fear were forged into an unprecedented duel, equally bound by the power of their will, but the outcome determined by the strength of character and humility of Christ to lose to hope and bid fear adieu. And so, as we draw near Good Friday and celebrate Resurrection Sunday, I want us to take a moment to give ourselves permission to think back to the night when Jesus was with his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane and where he Jesus displayed the most courageous act of obedience, knowing perfectly well what awaited him. Luke 22, 39-44 reads, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. The last verse captured my imagination and made me think critically about what Christ experienced that night in that garden. And I thought about three key points to share. First, Jesus was facing the cup, the cup of the full wrath of God for our sins. Second, Gethsemane was also Satan's hour, power and darkness. It was evil in full display with a full-fledged assault on Christ. Third, it was Jesus' prayer for the will, obedience and conforming 
to the Father's will. You and I fight against the Father's will constantly. When we ask Him to remove or let the cup of bitterness and suffering pass. But you're not alone in this. Moses did this when he was asked to take God's people to the promised land. Paul asked God to remove the thorn in his flesh. David did this for his doomed child. Jonah's bitter refusal to obey God's call to go to Nineveh. We all have an hour of darkness when we feel all of hell's fury has been launched against us. But what do you do? What's the alternative? Is the alternative a better decision than having a steadfast courage to obey and trust His sovereign will for our lives? We are looking for relief. God is looking to make us more like Him. The last verse in our reading of Luke, verse 44, it reads, Then His sweat became like great drops of blood, falling down to the ground. This dangerous condition, known as hematidrosis, is a condition in which capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands rupture, causing them to exude blood. It occurs under conditions of extreme physical or emotional stress. Can you think for a moment and imagine what agony and suffering Jesus is under? The book of Matthew says that my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. Those were Jesus' words in the Garden of Gethsemane. In the book Unspoken Sermons, George MacDonald writes, Nothing is required of men that is not first in God. What are you going through right now that you are in extreme or emotional pain? That your sweat is like drops of blood. What comes to your mind now when you think of God? When you think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, did he run away? Did he quit? Did he abandon the purpose? Did he abandon God's plan for humanity? Or was he courageous to be obedient and stay true to the Father's will. I'm not trying to make light of your situation and what you're going through, but nothing will ever be required of you and me that is not first in God. God experienced pain. Jesus experienced pain and suffering and agony and stress. He knows what we go through. He knows the turmoil, the doubt, the fear. The humanity of Christ was in full display. Let me share with you a story that serves as a reminder to me that God knows my pain, suffering, and anxiety. When my oldest daughter was two years old, she was playing and running along with her cousin. She was chasing him. They were playing like little kids always do. And as she was coming around one of the bedrooms, she tripped and hit the side of her face on the edge 
of a bed. And it cut almost to the bone. And uh, at that time, my daughter was um, being taken care of by my mother-in-law. And of course, my mother-in-law was frightened by the scene. Long story short, she was taken to the hospital. And there, as I arrive, um, the surgeon is there and he asked me to join him in the operating room. And I remember that they gave me a jacket to put on my daughter. They strapped her in and he asked me to uh, hold her as tight as I possibly could and to hold her head as they were going to stitch the cut. And I remember that my daughter caught my eye and I remember her tears and I remember her crying, pleading with me, saying, Daddy, no more. No more, Daddy. As each stitch went through her skin, she cried and all I can do was hold her. All I can do is look at her in her eyes and tell her that daddy was there with her. And each time she would say, no more daddy, no more. And I would tell her, just, just one more baby, just, just one more, knowing that there was more coming. That very moment, I felt deep in my heart as if God reminded me. When you go through the storms of life, and when you experience the greatest of pain and the greatest of suffering, know that I am holding you tight, looking at you closely and reminding you that I am there. But sometimes in life, those stitches are necessary so that we don't walk around with open wounds, that the stitches become a reminder of where we've been and what we experience, when we touch them, it doesn't hurt anymore. It reminds us of what God did for us. It reminds us of the price that was paid for us, that we have been healed, that we have been restored, that we have been made anew. And so I share that story to remind you and to remind myself that Jesus went through the most excruciating pain. And he knows your pain. He knows when fear comes into mind, into your heart. He knows what it is to go through the most horrific of experiences. But he reminds us again that he walks with us. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're experiencing. Maybe it's the death of a child. Maybe it's the loss of a job and financial uncertainty. Maybe you don't have enough money for food. Maybe your spouse just walked out on you and the kids. Your children rebelled against you. The job change that was so, looked so promising, it turned out to be a horrible decision. Your startup business just flopped and you lost a lot of capital. Maybe you're experiencing all of these things at the same time. Life is hard. 
difficult. And yes, it will beat you down. But God gave us a promise to never leave nor abandon us in our greatest need. Be confident that he walks with you and through every circumstance and painful life experience. Let me share with you three key principles to keep steadfast courage in the midst of the most trialing time of your life. Number one, stay committed to the purpose and your calling. God's plan. Don't lose sight of this. Many times we have a tendency that when things get really difficult to run, to abandon the plan, to abandon that call, to abandon that purpose for which we were created for. And maybe you're saying, well, Evan, I I really don't know what I'm supposed to do. I really don't know what is it I'm supposed to do in life. I just seem to go through life with all these circumstances and setbacks and challenges, and and I don't see my life going in any direction. Recently, I was having a conversation with a couple of good friends, and the topic just came up about, life and sometimes we don't have a direction and I shared with them that I was in a meeting with a very successful person and this person and his interest to helping me he said well Edwin I I can't really help you unless you tell me what it is that you want and the the honest truth was that I I didn't know what I wanted I couldn't express it I couldn't explain it I couldn't articulate it And quite often our frustrations in life comes because we don't have a definitive purpose by which we are to aim towards. And that's why we wander through life. That's why we fall into these trappings of just the boredom and the continuum of life because we don't have a clear vision for our life. We don't have a definitive purpose for why we are living. It doesn't give us direction. We feel like we aimlessly just walking through life. We're missing constantly the mark. Be definitive about what you want to accomplish in this life. Set up a plan and then commit yourself to living it out. Once you've figured it out and once you're clear as to what that is, stay committed to the purpose and your calling. Do not deviate from that. Stay committed to the purpose and your calling. I guarantee you, your life and your focus and your drive and your desire will completely change because now you have a clear vision of where you want to be and what you are called to do. Number two, discipline your life to knowing your why and finding your how. What gives you the reason to press? Find the reason why you are doing something. And you will find a how. How you are going to achieve that. Discipline is the key to every success story. To getting through the hard times when they come. To getting through the difficult moments of your life. This is where motivation and inspiration is not enough. It's discipline that carries you through. It's self-control that sees you through those difficult times. 
It's what you are grounded. It's who you are grounded in and how you have been able to make a commitment, a decision to say, I'm going to discipline my life in this area. I am going to develop a consistency of prayer, maybe 30 minutes, but it's commitment. It's saying there is an urgency in my life to pray. There's an urgency to get to know God more, not just his hand, not just his blessing, but who he is. It's a desire to get to know God at a deeper level. Number three, surrender your will freely, not by mere circumstances. E.M. Bounds, in the book, the classic collection, Prayer, he writes these beautiful words. When the occasion or calamity that called it forth is removed, the will returns to its old ways and to his old self. Don't let this be the case. Quite often we make promises to God when we are in a most dire need, when the most of daunting happenings of our life occur, we have a tendency to turn to God. And once our circumstances are restored to what we desire, then our will returns to ourselves. We go back to our old ways. This is deceptive. This is destructive. And this is when we lose sight of what we're really committed to. Our will should be surrendered not by circumstances, but by a true desire to obey and to be in communion with God. Quite often, we just want God to remove the burden or the stress. We seek his hand, not his character. Many of us seek God's hand of provision and protection, but we can't have his hand without having all of God. It is important to understand this principle because we can't go through life just wanting things and calling it a blessed life because we just want material possessions. We can't reduce what Christ did for us to materialism. We can't reduce that sacrifice to an emotional appeal. We can't reduce the sacrifice of Christ to just a personal desire and want What happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, what happened at the cross, is not for us to just make it another date in the calendar. It's not for us to just make it a routine. It's not for us to just come to to go to a church and to just appeal to our conscience that we did our duties in just honoring the day and not honoring the life. Christ did not give his life did not render his life as the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I can go to a church once a year or once a week. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want the crumbs. He doesn't want the leftovers. He wants you. He wants all your broken pieces. He wants all your shattered dreams. He wants everything Not part, not a little bit, 
We want everything. I ask you to please listen to me carefully. And I know that you heard it perhaps many, many times. But if there's one thing that I do want you to think about is this. Think about how much God loves you. Let that sit in your heart. You may feel so distant and like you're the worst sinner and the worst person in the world and you committed the worst of actions. I want to remind you that God loves you. He is still waiting for you. He eagerly awaits for your return to come to him, to see him as your heavenly father that loves you and cares for you. And quite often when we are so distant and cold and in our own way, living the life that we presume is the best life to live, even in that, he allows us to live that. He gives us grace to live that until we come to a point that we have to recognize whether we want to stay that course or we want to change. And I think that George MacDonald explained it so well in his book, Unspoken Sermon, when he wrote, he is not afraid of your presumptuous approach to him. It is you who are afraid to come near him. He is not watching over his dignity. It is you who fear to be sent away as the disciples would have sent away the little children. It is you who think so much about your soul and are so afraid of losing your life that you dare not draw near to the life of life, lest it should consume you. A powerful words as a reminder. Maybe, maybe we are afraid to draw near to the life of life. Maybe we fear rejection. Maybe we fear unqualified. Maybe we feel undeserving of that. But maybe if we take a step forward and just ask God, I don't know what to do, God. But I know that if I lay my life in your hands, I know that it's in a much better place than where it is right now. Let me ask you, what's the alternative? If not God, if not Christ, then who? Then what? What's the alternative? The question that I asked at the beginning was, what comes into your mind when you think about God? Has that changed? Have you gave it much thought? When I think about God is that he loves me unconditionally. And he sees beyond my shortcomings and he sees beyond the frailties of my humanity. But he sees the work of Christ in me and renders me righteous before him. Not because of my doing, not because of I think I'm a good person, but because of the steadfast courage Christ 
showed in the Garden of Gethsemane when in his most painful, excruciating experience and full display for all to see, he chose hope. He chose to give us life. He chose the Father's will. And I pray that over your life today, that in the most difficult of circumstance and where you find yourself in right now, that you can cry out to God and say, God, come help me. I ask you again, what comes to your mind now when you think of God? I leave you with our quote of the day, and it comes from George MacDonald on the book Unspoken Sermons. The Son of God suffered unto death, not that men might not suffer, but that their suffering might be like his. Till next time, my friends, remember, never compromise integrity for comfort. Stay strong. Bye-bye.